Okay. Uh, so we have extra copies here if anyone still needs. Okay, so first of all, before we begin to learn, so uh, a big shkayach to DJ Elephant and his wife for sponsoring the breakfast and the shir this morning for the uh, Lilanishmas of, of Mrs. Elephant's father, Rabbi Aaron ben Shlomi Peretz HaKayin, the Neshama Shem Aliyah. And with that, all good things and brach and brachas and chamas and yeshuas and all that good stuff should come to their mishpacha, to the whole kila, to all Kali Yisrael. Okay, so Bez Hashem Yisbarach, this infinite kindness, we've been zaycha to be learning, say for Yeshua. And so now we're up to sort of the next part of the story of Kali Yisrael's conquest of Eretz Yisrael. So we went through the story of the Jewish people. Again, Maisha Benu was nifter already. Yeshua Benun takes over the leadership. He brings Kali Yisrael over the Jordan, and they in fact conquered the first city, the city of Yericho. That's basically where we're up to now. And what happened was, as we know, as, as, as a result of the conquest, they destroyed the city of Yericho. And the last thing really we saw was that Yeshua Benun proclaimed the Cherem on the city of Yericho, that the city of Yericho should never be rebuilt, the, 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 you know, the, the, the loot and the booty, everything that's going on in the city of Yericho from the Goyim is off limits. It should be, you know, it's, it's also for the Jewish people to partake in it. No one's allowed to have any benefit from it. It has to just sit there and finish. And that's what Yeshua Benun said, and the Jewish people accepted it. And basically that's the end of the story of the conquest of Yericho. And so now we're up to, in the beginning of the seventh chapter, and today is going to be more of like sort of a general introduction to the next part of the story, is the Jewish people's conquest of the second city. The second city the Jewish people conquered is a city that's called Ai, the city of Ai. Okay, Ayin, Ayin Yud, Ay. Now, to a little bit of a, just an overview of what happened is as follows, is that the Jewish people did not realize this, and it, it, it came to their attention pretty quickly, but uh, the Jewish people did not realize that there was one person, there was one Jew that violated that cherem that Yeshua Benun establishes over the city of Yericho, right? Again, so the city of Yericho was supposed to be off limits. None of the, none of the money and treasures and so on were allowed to be touched. Everything was aser banos, forbidden for it to have any benefit from it. And the Jewish people accepted that. That was what they accepted from Yeshua Benun. But there was one Jew that violated that, uh, that cherem. His name was Achan. Okay, Achan, we'll see about him soon throughout the story of the city of Ai's conquest, we'll see soon. He violated the, uh, the cherem, and he found amongst the, amongst the city that, he was, uh, that they were going through, he found a few items that, that he liked, and he, uh, he took them. The Pesachist says he sold them, he took them into his own personal possession. Didn't think anyone saw, didn't think it was such a big deal. It's his personal affair that he did, it's true. He took that into his possession. Now the Jewish people didn't realize this, that the cherem was violated. But it was. So the Jewish people now go and attack the second city, the city of Ai. Uh, and the Jewish people are confident because of the Hatzlacha that they had with the city of Yericho, that they don't even send in, we'll see soon the details, we're just getting a gen- general overview, they don't even send in like a, the, the, main, the main army. They send in like uh, small battalions because they didn't think, uh, the city of Ai was not the, the biggest city in the world. Aleph and Beis, uh, we have Seat Deshmai anyway, so we don't have to send in all the troops. So they send in smaller battalions, and uh, they're shocked by the fact that they're actually defeated. They're actually defeated. The city of Ai defends itself, and the Jewish people have to retreat. Not only, uh, not only do, they not, do they not win that battle, and they're forced to retreat, but there's actually casualties, there's actually cal- Jewish casualties in that battle. There were not many, the numbers were not great in terms of casualties, Baruch Hashem, but those that were killed were very chash of a yidin. We'll see, we'll see about this soon. They were actually members of the Sanhedrin. 
which is interesting, right? That the members of the Sanhedrin were usually associated as like old rabbis and you know, to the Chamim, they were fighting. They were they were soldiers, and the ones that were sent this this smaller battalion, I guess there was members of Sanhedrin amongst them, and they were the ones that were killed uh, in this battle. Those were the casualties. So the Jews will come back from battling eye, they're shocked by by just what took place. So Yeshubanon and the leaders realize that it's, there's something going on over here. So they begin to daven and so on, until finally the Rebbeinu Shalom sends a prophetic message to Yeshubanon that someone violated the Cherem against the city of Yericho. And it's interesting, we'll see about this position in coming weeks, that Yeshua Nun says to Rabbanu Shalom, it's not in the Pasuk, but this is in Tarsh Balpeh, the Gemara records this conversation, that, uh, that uh, Yeshua Nun says to the Rabbanu Shalom, who is it? Tell me, I will take care of it. Who is it? And the Rabbanu Shalom says, what, I'm a Baalash and Hara, I'm going to tell you, uh, I'm, not, I'm not telling you who it is. You'll figure it out. Make a gyrol, make a gyrol, and you'll you'll figure out who it is. Now that's what happens. They set they set up a gyrol amongst all the shvatim, and the gyrol falls on to define you know to figure out who did it. The gyrol falls on Shevet Yehuda. Okay, so now they know that someone from Shevet Yehuda. Then all the families of Shevet Yehuda, the girls, another gyrol is made, and the and it falls on the family of Zarach. When when Yehuda had two children, so the two main families of Shevet Yehuda are parrots. And Zarach, so it's from the family of Zarach. We'll see soon. This is relevant, but again, maybe not for this week, but as Hashem, coming weeks. And slowly but surely, they, you know, the girl continues getting more and more specific until finally it's Achim. That's the person that they that they find, and Yeshubin confronts him and says, "Listen, uh, you know, it, it's, it, 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 there's an issue going on over here. It, it, it would be good for you to confess what took place." And even, so again, we'll see about this detail. He doesn't, uh, doesn't accuse him right away. He wants Aachen to admit. And Aachen does. He admits what he did, and he, and he, and he brings all the, the stuff that he stole, and he presents it, and, uh, and so on and so forth. He does, he does tshuva, and uh, he's punished. However, we'll see the details of the story, and the Jewish people are forgiven, and then they're able to conquer the city of Ai, and we continue. That's the, that's the overall, overall mice. Okay. So... <clears throat> Today we're going to try to investigate that Avera that Ochen commits of taking some of the, um, the treasures of the city of Yericho that somehow has this huge effect. Obviously, you know, on the one hand, you could, okay, it's his personal Avera. He did something personally wrong. And uh, clearly, it, it, clearly, the Banashim did not see this as like a small little problem for this individual Jew. This is, you know, he threw a wrench in the entire process over here of conquering Eretz Yisrael. So let's, let's try to investigate what that, what that affair was about and why it was so consequential in terms of the conquest of um, specifically the city of Ai. So number one, just a few, a few things to point out. Number one, we do find a theme, and we're going to see more about this when we go through some of the psukim, but just now general. There, we do find a theme when it comes to this affair of Achan and the concept of eyesight. Okay? First of all, the name of the city that because of his affair we weren't able to conquer right away, the name of the city is the city of Ai. Right? Now, I don't mean I because the word in English. I is the letter, the letter Ayin. Ayin Yud is the same, the, the word Ayin, the letter Ayin, the word Ayin means an I. Okay? Even the word, even the word um, Achan is Ayin Chaf Nun, which really, in a certain sense, the, the, the Svarim bring down, is also related to the word Ayin. Ayin, the word I is Ayin Yud Nun. But if you take the letter Yud and you spell the Milo, you spell it in full, so instead of just being a yud, it's yud vav dalit. Yud, it equals 20. So ayin chafnun is a little bit similar to ayin yudnun, which is the letter ayin, which is, which is the word ay. 
Also, the people that were killed in battle, as I mentioned, were members of the Sanhedrin, who are called Eine Ha'eda, the eyes of the assembly. So something's going on with eyes over here. But somehow the Aver that Achim committed is, is therefore seen as a pagam, as a damage to this Indian of eyes. And even, as we'll see soon, again, as we'll show in the coming weeks, when, Achim, this, when it's, the Aver is described, it's described as like he saw the, 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 the loot and he had a taiva for it with his eyes, you know, it, it, the eyes play a major role in this. And so that's, that's number one to think about. What's this Indian of the Aver of Achan and the Indian of eyes? And why is this coming up now? Like, what's this Indian in regards to conquering Eretz Yisrael? Okay, that's number one. Number two, if you take a look at the, the first Marmokim, so this is a Pasuk, again, in the seventh chapter of Sefer Yeshua. This is when Hashem reveals to Yeshua Benun that something went wrong. Again, so he doesn't say who did it. But he says something went wrong. So let's see the Pasuk that Hashem says, and then we'll see how the Gemara interprets it, and we'll take it from there. So the Gemara says, like, the Pasuk says like this, Hashem says to Yeshua Benon, Chata Yisrael, the Jewish people have sinned. So it sounds, again, right away you see that this was not, I mean, it was a personal aver of Achan, but it somehow affected Kla Yisrael. Kla Yisrael has sinned. Vegam Avruas Brisi, they have also transgressed my covenant, Asher Tzivisi Yisrael, that I've commanded them. They have also taken from the cheirim, from the uh, uh, from the city of Yericho that's been that's been designated as Asr to take. They took from that cheirim. The gam ganvu. They also stole from it. The gam kachashu. They've denied it. The gam soma and they've hidden it in their uh, in their in their kalim, in their vessels, in their private places. Okay, so that's what the pasuk says. <coughs> now. There's a Gemara Sanhedrin, Maramukha number two, and Memdala Medalev, that takes this Pasuk and Mamash pulls it apart. Okay? So the Gemara says like this. The first words were that Hashem said, Chata Yisrael. That, the, Jew, that the, the Jewish people have sinned or the Jew has sinned. Chata Yisrael. Says the Gemara. Omar of Abba Barzavda. Rabbi Abba Barzavda said, again, he, the, the, the problem that he's dealing with, he doesn't say specifically what his issue is, but the issue that he's dealing with is, what does he have to say, Chata Yisrael? Obviously, who else are we talking about? I mean, Chatu, they sinned. Who, who, obviously, we're talking about the Jewish people. What is this extra word, Chatu Yisrael? So says Rabbi Abba Barzavda, it's a hint to this idea, Afel Pisha Chata Yisrael. That even though this person, whoever this person is, I'm not saying who, whoever this person is, he sinned, but you should know, even after all the terrible Averis a Jew can, 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 can transgress, God forbid, Yisrael. Lomaisa, he remains a Yid. Amr Rababa said, Hainu Damri This is what it means when there's a, the people have a saying, you didn't have a saying, that Asa Dekoi Beni Chilfi, that a, they, a, 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 a myrtle that's found amongst, uh, amongst thorn bushes and, and thistles and so on, Asa Shemei is still called a Hadas, Vasa Karalei, and people still call it a Hadas. In other words, it could be surrounded by all sorts of crazy stuff and things that are the opposite of, of its beauty, but it's still what it is. So a Jew is the same thing. It could be surrounded by all sorts of crazy stuff and surrounded by Averis, Vichulu, Avil Pishachata, even though the Jew sinned, Yisrael, who is still a Jew. Okay, and that's what's being hinted to in that word, Chata Yisrael, that he sinned, Avil Maisi, he remains a Jew. Okay, so the first thing to think about is, a, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful uh, teaching, but what, what does it have to do with, why is Hashem using this as the opportunity to reveal this concept? Like, what does this have to do with Averis of Achan? Clearly there's something going on over here that's relevant to, the, to this idea of Afopi Shechat Yisrael. So that's question number one. What is, why is this Limud so uh, connected to the story of Achan? How is it connected to the story of Achan? Fine. 
Then the Gemara goes on the rest of the Pasuk. Now the Gemara picks up on the fact that the word Gam is repeated over and over and over again in this Pasuk. They also took from the Chirim, they also stole, they also lied, they also hid it. The word Gam is, is repeated five times. Am Rabbi Mishum Rabbi Yehuda Bar Masfarta, so Rabbi Law said the name of Rabbi Yehuda Bar Masfarta, Melamed, that the fact that the word gam is repeated five times, it tells you, Sha'avar Achan al That Achan didn't just do one Avera, he didn't just uh, take from the, from the loot of the Sivir Yerichel, he violated all of Chamishi Chum Shetaira, Gam, and that's what it means that it says the word gam five times, to hint to this, that he violated all of Chumash. Now, now, first of all, that's an accomplishment. I mean, to be, you know, to be able to, to literally violate every single prohibition in all of Chumash, that's not an easy thing to do. You have to, like, know what you're doing to, to, to do that, you know. So, 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 so you can say, okay, the Gemara means literally. He, he literally violated every single one of the mitzvahs. It's unlikely for that to be, for the simple reading, for, you know, to, to take it at face value. Is it is it, is it right? It's, 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 it's not even possible. It's probably not even possible. Uh, so, yeah, you could say maybe it means he violated most of the mitzvahs. What's most, well, we have to understand that in Pneumius, what the Gemara seems to be saying is that that aver that he committed by taking the loot from the city of Yericho undermines all of Tyre itself. That, 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 that seems to be, and therefore, by doing, by committing that, that particular sin, it's violating all of Torah. Now, all of Torah is, 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 is resting on a certain fundamental point, and Achan and his Avera was, was, was affecting that fundamental pillar that all of Yiddishkeit is standing on, and in that sense, he's violating all of Torah. You understand that way? So, again, so in other words, what we see from here is that the, the Avera of Achan is, is, is a big deal. It's a big deal. We have to, again, figure out what it is. But then the Gemara goes on to, specific, to, to go on specific Averas that Achan committed or his Aver is connected to, the Gemara goes on. Again, Rabbi Eloi, the, uh, the name of Rabbi Yudah Bar Mesfarta said, he continued, that Achin Moshech Bar that you should know, and specifically, Achin was Moshech Bar Lasei. Moshech Bar Lasei means that someone has a bris milah from the time that they're a baby, but they, they, they do some sort of uh, surgical procedure or whatever it is to cover up their, arla, uh, their, their milah, and it's to, to make it as if they don't have a bris milah anymore. They can't, you can't undo that, obviously, but at least on the outside, to cover up the fact that you have a bris milah. How do we, how do we see such a reference that Achan did that? So the Gemara says, Ksiv hacha v'gam of bris brisi. One of, the, one of the v'gams is that he violated my bris, right? So, Ksiv hacha mes brisi hefer. And regarding this inyan of covering up your bris mila and being ashamed of it, so to speak, that's the Pasuk says elsewhere that you're violating the bris. You see, this, this word bris and violation of a bris is a code word, it's a reference. This inyan of a person hiding their bris mila as if they're ashamed of what the bris mila represents. Is okay. that not allowed? That's not allowed. Yeah, that's an aver. That's for sure an aver. Yeah, the Gemara says, it's interesting because, I mean, technically speaking, you're, not, you're still have a bris, you can't undo that. The Gemara says, you're chayv cars for such a thing, it's a, it's a, it's a serious avera. Because the person is showing, on, on a very simple level, they're at least showing the fact that, they, listen, the bris wasn't, a, it wasn't up to them, they're eight days old, but now they're showing that if it was up to me, <laughs> they, wouldn't, they wouldn't want it, right? So it's, uh, and, they're, and they're showing they're embarrassed of it, they don't want it. <coughs> right, so you see that he had a bris. He had a bris, not right? Eight days, though. He was a, huh? Not at eight days. 
Now, yeah, okay, so it depends how old he was. I don't know how old he was, but uh, let's say he didn't. Let's say he just had a bris, but you see, even now he's deciding uh, again when he was Meshach Hazarla. Again, I don't know, but at some point he was Meshach Hazarla, which is uh, there by itself. Okay, that's, that's the Gemara. Then the Gemara says the final point. The Chiyasa Neval Yisrael, the Pasuk continued. We didn't, I didn't quote it in, in the first Marmalkam, but the next. The next uh, words of the, that Hashem says, the Chiyasa Neval Yisrael, that an abomination took place in the Jewish people, Nevala. Now that word Nevala is, is usually a word that's associated with um, Averis that are more related to men and women. So why is it being used over here? Amr Abba Barzavda, Sir Barzavda said, Another Averis that Achim did is that he, he was with a, a, a Namras, a, a, a woman that was already uh, Mekudeshes, she was not more than engaged. She was already married to, to an Eishes Ish. So he was boil. He lived with an, with an Eishes Ish. And that's what it means. V'chiyas in the Vol of Yisrael. Ravina Omar. Ravina says, even if he didn't actually do such an Avera, Dine Kinamarasa de Beskila, he was killed, you know, when he was killed for his Avera, he was killed with Skila, with uh, stoning, which is a similar punishment that one gets for living with an Eishes Ish, for an Amarasa. Okay. So, so there's a lot going on of here. There's a lot going on of here. You read the Psukim, Achim did an aver. He did an aver. It was a mask. He did an aver. He took some of the loot from the city of Yericho, and because of that, the, the Kal Yisrael were in were in serious sakana with the city of Ai v'chulu. But once the Gemara gets gets involved with this pasuk, then all of a sudden Achim is like a lot, much worse of a person than we than we realize, right? So he's violating all of Chamishimusha Taira, right? He's Meishech his Arla. He's living with an Eishes Ish. It's a lot lot worse than just taking that 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 loot. But yet the psukim, but all those bigger averis are like hinted to with hints. It says the word gam five times. He violated the bris. He did an abomination. But so, so there's something going on over here. Again, practically, what did he do? Okay, the Gemara says he did these averis. But somehow, it's, I think it's clear that all these averis are being, are, are, are seen under the umbrella of this ending of him taking the loot from the city of Yericho. By him taking the loot of the city of Yericho, it's highlighting or it's bringing out all these other inyanim in his life. Narmarasa, Meishech Arla, violating Chemishich Chemishatar, whatever that means. So, so, so what was this other? Like, what's going on over here? What was this inyan of taking from the city of Yericho? So let's investigate that there itself. How do we define that? What, what was going on over there? So one last point, and then we'll begin to, to explain uh, what, so again, the, the question we're going to deal with is right now, again, for the next couple minutes, is that that Avera that he did, based on the simple reading of the Pasuk, that he took money and he took clothing, whatever it is that he took from the city of Yericho, what, what, what's the big Avera from that? So, so the, w- one suggestion you can make is that it's stealing. It's stealing. You know, the, you know, the Jewish people conquered the city, so it's the Jewish people's, you know, it's Jewish people's property. And uh, this, uh, and the Jewish people said uh, off limits to any individual person. And uh, Achim comes and he's taking, he's, he's stealing. But the truth is, it's hard to say to, cla- to classify that viol- his his avera as stealing, because there, in Marmokah number three, there's a ran in Mesech Nadarm. It's a it's a fundamental ran. The ran says like this. We'll see inside in in a moment. But the ran's concept is as follows: that ownership of something is defined based on your ability to use it. If you have something in your possession, but you are forbidden to use it and to have any benefit from it, then that means it's basically not yours. Mm-hmm. Ownership, own, the definition of ownership is the fact that it's, that it's, that it's, that it's uh, something that you can use. 
I'll give you an example. You know, it was just Pesach a little bit ago, right? So Chometz on Pesach. So Chometz on Pesach, a Jew is not allowed to have any benefit from it. You can't eat it, and you can't uh, have any uh, benefit from it. So is it yours? So the Gemara says an interesting thing about Chometz on Pesach. The Gemara says that a Jew that, let's say, doesn't sell his Chometz. So the Gemara says, technically speaking, you don't own your Chometz on Pesach automatically. Because if it's usher to eat and it's usher to have benefit from, that means it's not really yours. The t- despite the fact that technically in terms of monetary ownership, it's, kind of, it's really not yours anymore in Pesach, nevertheless, the Rabbanu Shalom still holds, we're still obligated to sell it prior to Pesach. And if we don't, we're in violation of the Avera of having chametz over in our, in our home, so to speak, over Pesach. But technically, in terms of like Chosh and Mishpat is concerned, you can't own something if you can't use it. So says the Ran, for example, he brings out this point in Marmok number three. And again, it's a whole sugi in the Gemara Nadarm that he's coming from, but the, the point that the Ran comes w- away with is, If I have, let's say, apples in my house, but I take a vow that I am forbidding these apples upon myself. I'm not allowed to eat these apples, personally. I'm not allowed to have any benefit from these apples. I can't eat them, I can't sell them, I can't have any benefit from them. Then someone else can take those apples. And I could be screaming, Ganav, Ganav. He's not a Ganav. It's not your apples. I, I bought them with my own money. Yeah, but ownership is dependent on usage. If you have no way to use it or to have any benefit from it on any level, then it stops being yours. And then th- theoretically, anyone else can take it. It's now considered ownerless. It's in your fridge, but it's ownerless. And you can't stop anyone from taking those apples. It's a Chiddush from the Ran. It's Isaac the Ran. Now, in that case, then if we were to define all the money of the city of Yericho, the Jewish people accepted upon themselves that we are not having any benefit from this, mo- from this money. We're not going to use it ourselves, and we're not going to sell it to another nation. It's off limits. It's completely outside of our ability to have any benefit from it. So that means they don't own it. It's ownerless. So if Achen comes and takes it for his personal use, he's not stealing from anyone. No one owns this stuff. I, the Jewish army, conquered the city and it should be officially now owned by the Jewish army, the Jewish army can't own anything unless it's something they can have benefit from. If they're owning something that, they, that they're not using, and they're not able to use, and they're not able to sell, they're not able to have any benefit from it, guess what? It's ownerless. So what did Aachen do wrong? So again, Aachen stole, stole uh, he, he, he took this loot for his personal possession. No one owns it. It's ownerless. So what exactly did he do wrong? So the answer is as follows. In Maramukka number four, the last Mishnah in Mesechah Sanhedrin is talking about a similar type of situation, which is in Irani Dachas, right? Irani Dachas is a city that was overrun by idolatry, and the city has to be destroyed. So the Allah is that the city is destroyed, and all the, all the loot and all the money of the city is also off limits. So the, Gemara, the, the, Gemara, the Mishnah says as follows. It's the last, last Mishnah in Sanhedrin. V'liyidbak says in Pasuk, no one is allowed to take any of the possessions of the city of the Yerni Dachas. <laughs> says the Mishnah, <laughs> Why is it that no one's allowed to take any possessions from the city of the Yerni Dachas? Because as says the Mishnah, it's very vague what the Mishnah means. We'll see in a second. As long, says the Mishnah, the reason why no one's allowed to take benefit from this city, you're not allowed to take any personal item uh, and stick it in your pocket if you're a soldier running through the city. Why? Because as long as there's Rishayim in the world, the Rabbanu Shalom, there's an anger in the world. When the Rishayim are gone, then there's no anger anymore. Of the Rishayim in Oilam, Nistach What does that mean? So the Babach Rebbe, again, we're not going into too much detail over here, the Babach Rebbe, one of the Sikhs explained 
that what the Mishnah is hinting to is the following thing, is that if you have a city of the Iranidachas, right, so the city overrun with the Vadizar, and the Rabbanu says, okay, wipe out the city and don't take any, you know, item from the city, you know, and just stick it in your pocket. Why? Not because you're stealing. There's no one owns this stuff. No one can own this stuff. It's ownerless. No one's having any benefit from it. No one's allowed to. There's no ownership on this thing. So what's the problem? So why can't you take something from the city? The answer is, the Rebbe explained that by taking something from the city, you're, you're, you're keeping what the city was alive. The Rebbe wants this city and what it represents to be wiped out. If you're holding on to something of what the Iranidachas was, even if what you're holding is not of a desire, you just, you're, you're, you're taking a little coin, you found a quarter on the floor, or you found a, a coat, a fur coat that looks nice, it's not of a desire, but it's something that's, that's a piece of what the city was. By you holding on to a piece of what the city was, it means that you're keeping what the city was still alive. And that's what the Mishnah means. The Rebbe wants Avodah of this city of the Yeridachas, to be wiped off, to be completely gone. It wants, the Rebbe doesn't want any of its old history to remain. And that's why you're not allowed to take anything from the city. By you taking something from the city, then what the city was is now continuing on, and it's not completely gone. So let's go back to the story of Aachen. What was Aachen's violation by taking something from the city of Yericho? It wasn't stealing, because no one owns this anymore. The answer is, what Aachen was doing was, is that he was, still, he was still keeping alive the concept of Eretz Yisrael not being completely conquered by the Yidden, by, by the Jewish people. In other words, what was going on before we conquered Yericho? Before we conquered Yericho, Eretz Yisrael is not Eretz Yisrael. Eretz Yisrael is a, is a piece of property on planet Earth that Goyim are living in. And they're living in there, and we want, to ta- we want to live there. What Aachen is doing by taking a piece of that property is that he's undermining, he's undermining the unique relationship that the Jewish people have to Eretz Yisrael. That's what he's doing. Because by Aachen holding on to some loot that the Canaanim of Yericho had, he's keeping alive their connection to the land. That's what he's doing. What the Rabbanu Shalom wants when we conquer Eretz Yisrael is... Clean slate. The Rabbanu wants us to recognize and to, and to see that what? That it's not the pshat, yeah, listen, this is a piece of property. So until now, Gaim lived there. Now we're just kicking out those tenants and replacing them with new tenants. But, not, but the land itself could have been with, with Gaim. It wasn't until now with Gaim. Now it's with the Yidin. Okay. In other words, as if the land itself could be a shidduch with anyone. It happens to be. Now it's going to be with the Jewish people. The Rebbe doesn't want that. There's a, there's a unique relationship between Klal Yisrael and Eretz Yisrael that can only be between Klal Yisrael and Eretz Yisrael and not with any other nation. And the, 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 the conquest of Eretz Yisrael is, demands that understanding. What Aachen was doing by holding on to a piece of what Eretz Yisrael was under the under the, you know, under the, the, the jurisdiction of the Canaanim, what he's saying is that even now that the Jewish people have conquered Eretz Yisrael, or in the process of conquering Eretz Yisrael, nothing really changed. Nothing really changed. So until now, it was by Canaanim, now it's with Yidin. Uh, it's all the same, okay, different people, different languages, different cultures, whatever it is, but nothing fundamentally different. You follow? That's, that was the Avera. That was that there. And so, what, 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 so therefore, in order to appreciate what's really going on with the Aver of Aachen and how, and how 
and how Chazal saw this and how the Rabbanishim saw this as so, as such a serious offense is because what Achen was violent, what he's doing was he was getting to the very, he was touching and, and damaging the very core of what it means, Kla Yisrael with Eretz Yisrael. So let's, you understand that? that? That's what's going on. And by him holding on to something that preceded the Jewish people in Eretz Yisrael, what he's saying is, is that our relationship with Eretz Yisrael is not, it's not a shidduch. It's not a chasen in kali. You understand? It's not, it doesn't have to be. It's a, every nation has a piece of property. So yeah, so the previous tenants were the Kedanim, and now the tenants are Yidin. It doesn't really, nothing, nothing fundamentally is different. That's, that was the Aver of Ach. Not only is that a terrible Aver in its own right, what the Gemara, as the Gemara Sanhedrin has, has defined for us, is that, that that's, that's, that's not just a small Aver, that's a fundamental pillar that Yiddishkeit rests on to appreciate the unique relationship that exists between Kla Yisrael and Eretz Yisrael, as opposed to the nations of the world and their countries. Now let, let, me, let me explain a little bit of what this means and why this is so fundamental. There are two ways to think about Yidin. There are two ways to think about mitzvahs. Two ways to think about our relationship with the Rabbani Shlo, Okay, One way to think about Yidin and about mitzvahs and about our relationship with God is more, we could call it a chutzlart sticker way of thinking. What's the Chutzar's Dika way of thinking? Chutzar's Dika way of thinking is there's many nations in the world. Many nations in the world. And obviously the God, God is the God and the creator of all these nations. Okay? And God wants every nation to function properly and to be normal and to keep civilization going. And therefore... He gives mitzvahs and he gives commandments to every nation in the world in order to make sure that they're functioning properly, that they live a life of meaning and a life of, uh, of, of peace and, and, and a life that's purposeful and so on. And that's the concept of the Shevet Zunei Noach, the seven Noachite laws, okay? God gave them those commandments because he created them and he wants to make sure that they're living normal, healthy, uh, purposeful lives. So one way of thinking is and the Jewish people are also a nation amongst nations. Okay? Happens to be, it is true, that our people, the Jewish people, are somewhat unique in terms of that what we, what we need for our spiritual fulfillment and what we need for our spiritual mission is a little bit more complicated than just seven mitzvahs. So instead of seven, we have 613. But again, a nation amongst nations... And every nation has their, has their mission, has the, the, God gives them what they need for their spiritual fulfillment. So most nations have seven mitzvahs, we have 613, but fundamentally it's all the same. Fundamentally it's all the same. That's one way of looking at mitzvahs, our relationship with mitzvahs, which is just things that are given to us for us to function properly. Right? It's one way to look at ourselves, that we're just a nation amongst nations. That's all that's all a Yiddishkeit and a view of Chutzlarts. What does Chutzlarts mean? Chutzlarts means every nation has a, piece of, has a piece of property. Every nation has its existence. Chutzlarts means there's, uh, there's France, there's England, there's Mexico, there's Spain, there's, there's Uganda, there's Ethiopia, okay, and, there, and there's Yidin too. But then there's, then there's the Yiddishkeit of Eretz Yisrael. And understand, Eretz Yisrael, more than just being a place, the Yiddishkeit of Eretz Yisrael means something altogether is different. That the Jewish people are not just a nation amongst nations that happen to be given many more commandments. 
an Eretz Yisrael Dike Yiddishkeit means to recognize that a Jew is an altogether different Indian. And the relationship the Rabbanu Shalom has with the Jewish people is one of chasen and kala. It's one that's, that's it's, it's a relationship of oneness. It's a relationship of, of even intimacy. And the mitzvahs the Rabbanu Shalom gives the Jewish people are fundamentally different than the mitzvahs that he's given the nations of the world. Because it's true, the nations of the world also have their mitzvahs, but the, their mitzvahs are fundamentally geared towards what? Maintaining a functional society and giving people uh, the tools that they need for their, you know, to, to develop themselves on an ethical level. That's not what mitzvahs are for the Jewish people. Mitzvahs are, are, are points of contact between us and, and, and God. It's points of connection between us and the Rabbanish. It's altogether a different Indian. That's the difference between what it means a Yiddishkeit that's a Chutzlar Tzdika Yiddishkeit versus a Yiddishkeit that's an Eretz Yisrael Dika Yiddishkeit. The land of Eretz Yisrael is not just a place amongst places where you didn't happen to live. Eretz Yisrael is a place, as we'll see in a second, Eretz Yisrael is a place that brings out, that's supposed to bring out, if it's, if it's related to properly, it's a place that brings out this inner point, that what? That a Jew is altogether a different Indian. When, when the Jewish people are entering into Eretz Yisrael, the Pasuk that sort of defines our experience in Eretz Yisrael is what? Hein am levadad yishkon, that we're a nation that lives alone. See, in Chutz Laaretz, we're not living alone, we're living amongst everyone else. Eretz Yisrael means we live alone. When to live alone doesn't just mean we're in, we're in isolation. Eretz Yisrael, living alone in Eretz Yisrael means that we're all together a different Indian. What a Jew is is different, what mitzvahs are is different. Everything is just, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a quiet, uh, secret place between us and the Rabbani Shalom. Everything else is just outside noise. That's what Eretz Yisrael means. When the Jewish people were coming into Eretz Yisrael, the Rabbani Shalom needs us to be able to see the land in that vantage point. That this is a place that's going to bring out from us this deeper understanding of who we are vis-a-vis God and what mitzvahs are vis-a-vis us and God. When we're in Chutz Laaretz, before the conquest of Eretz Yisrael, then we see ourselves as just a nation amongst nations and the mitzvahs that we have are just more mitzvahs than the other nations have. But us coming into Eretz Yisrael demands a much deeper understanding. The deeper understanding is, is that you're altogether a different Indian. You're not a nation amongst nations. There's something different about you. You're, you're a different species altogether. You're custom made to be, to be united with, with your creator. And the mitzvahs that you're being given are tools to unite you with your creator, not just to give you the ability to function properly on planet Earth, to, to give you the ability to transcend, to, to transcend your place and to unite with the Rabbanish level. And this is what Eretz Yisrael means. When Achan came to Eretz Yisrael and he, and he steals of the, of, the, of, the, of the loot of Yericho, thus, what is he doing? He's poisoning the Jewish people with, with the following poison, which is that nothing really changed. Nothing really changed. So a few days ago, you were in Chutzlarz, right? And now you're in Eretz Yisrael. Nothing really changed. You're in, different, you're in different physical, you know, your location uh, physically is different. But there's nothing fundamentally that's different. A few minutes ago, this was territory that was settled by Canaanim, and now they're settled by Yidin. But guess what? I have in my pocket something from the Canaanim. Nothing fundamentally changed. By doing that, by, 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 by poisoning our understanding of what Eretz Yisrael, how Eretz Yisrael redefines the Jewish people, it's undermining what a Jew is, and it's undermining what Yiddishkeit is. 
it's, 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 it's poisoning th- this understanding of what a Jew is. That instead of a Jew realizing in Eretz Yisrael is that now you're completely alone. Now you're, now there's, now you're altogether, what, what, what should be revealed right now with Eretz Yisrael is that you're altogether different. And mitzvahs are altogether different. Achen Zavera is undermining that entire foundation. This is why, let's go back, this is why when the Gemara says that Achen violated all of Chamesh how? The answer is because by Achen Zavera, by, by, by distorting our perception of what Eretz Yisrael means for us, what he was doing is undermining the very foundation of what, of what Yiddishkeit is about. Because by not appreciating what Eretz Yisrael is and how Eretz Yisrael is supposed to unlock within you what makes you different from the nations of the world, by not having that, then, then what is Tyra? No different than the seven mitzvahs of Neinach, just more of them. That's called violating the Chamisha Chamisha you understand? That's called violating Yiddishkeit. The whole Yiddishkeit is, 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 should be rooted on an Eretz Yisrael perspective. You understand? Is this, is this clear? Am I being clear over here? No, it's what Eretz Yisrael means is not just a, a, a place amongst places. By the Jewish people coming into Eretz Yisrael, Eretz Yisrael is supposed to unleash within them and unlock from within them this deeper understanding of who they are and what Yiddishkeit is. And that demands, that, that could be only unleashed with Eretz Yisrael. Take a look at Maramukha number six, okay? Rav Kook is going to do a better job than me in explaining. Eretz Yisrael says Rav Kook, I've mentioned this piece before. Eretz Yisrael says Rav Kook, is not a, it's not a superficial thing. It's not a chitzani stika inyan. Kinin chitzani, like a superficial uh, acquisition that the nation has. That it's just a means in order to unite a nation. And a way to keep the Jewish people physically or even spiritually healthy and well. Like every nation needs a, pl- needs a place to live. So we need a place to live too. That's not what Eretz Yisrael is. Eretz Yisrael, what is it? Eretz Yisrael is a piece of planet Earth that somehow has a way of uniting with the Jewish people and unleashing and unlocking within the soul of the Jewish people who we really are. That's what Eretz Yisrael can do. Chavuka beskulis pnimius in Somehow it's united with the inner essence of what the Jewish people are. Without Eretz Yisrael, or without an appreciation of what Eretz Yisrael is, then the inner identity of who you are as a Jew is also unknown. But when you come to Eretz Yisrael, when the Jewish people come to Eretz Yisrael, Eretz Yisrael has the potential of unlocking within you who you are, to know really who you are, and what mitzvahs and what Yiddishkeit really is. And so this is the challenge that the Jewish people have when they get to Eretz Yisrael right now. Are we going to come to Eretz Yisrael in what? In a way of thinking that it's just a piece of property, like every piece of property. We need a place to live. Uh, so do, uh, so do uh, you know, uh, Ecuadorians also need a place to live. So we need a place to live. Well, if, you, if you relate to Eretz in such a way, which is what Achan is doing, right, by holding on to a piece of the Canaanim's property and holding on to their, to, to their uh, connection to the land, then what? Then Eretz is not unlocking and, 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 and revealing the essence of the Jewish people, and it's not going to reveal the essence of what Yiddishkeit's about. And because of that, everything remains, everything remains just urination amongst nations, and you're just given more commandments. But the Jewish, what the Jewish people need to do is to come to Eretz Yisrael with that deeper understanding that Eretz Yisrael is here as a shidduch for us in particular, and it has the ability, this place has the ability of unlocking and unearthing 
and unleashing within us who we truly are. And that's, this is the sign the Jewish people are dealing with with, the, with that Ver of Achim. Is it clear? So let's go back. All of the sins that the Gemara enumerates, the Gemara Sanhedrin, were all revolving around this Inyan. So for example, uh, the Gemara said that one of the sins that he did was that he was Meshach as Arla. What is the Inyan of the Arla? What's the name of a bris milah? So you know, what's a bris milah? And a very simple, a bris milah means you are not the same as a guy. So it means you're not the same as a guy. And what is Achan doing? He's hiding his bris milah. He's ashamed of his bris milah. What's he saying? He's saying is, I'm not different than a guy. Yes, I have more responsibilities, more commandments, I have a different culture, I speak differently, I'm part of a different... But fundamentally, we're all the same. That's, that's the same Avera as he's doing with taking the bounty, the, the, the booty of, of, of Yericha. It's the same Indian. Again, what, what he's doing is, this, the, the, the sin of Aachen is this Indian. Is that what? Is that Eretz Yisrael is just a piece of property like any other piece of property. Until now it was owned by the Canaanim. Now it's owned by the Jewish people. Nothing mystical is taking place. It's not unleashing and unlocking any secret about the Jewish people. You're no different than anyone else. That's what Aachen is doing. That, that fundamentally that fundamentally disrupts what Torah is about. And it's also expressed in particular in the fact that he's ashamed of his bris milah. And it also comes out particularly in the fact that he lived with an Eshazesh. Because what does an Eshazesh mean? Eshazesh means that's private. That's private. There's a husband and wife, and that's it. No one else should be involved in that relationship. The whole Indian of Aachen is that the Jewish people and Kal Yisrael, that Hashem and the Jewish people are also chasen and Kal. That, so in other words, the, the, what, what Eretz Yisrael in its, in its purest form, what Eretz Yisrael should unleash within the Jewish people is a sense of us being Eshazish with the Rabbani Shlalom. And we don't have a shaykhist to anyone else. And no, one, no other nation has a shaykhist with our relationship. Achen is violating that. You understand? Achen is violating that bond between the chasen above and the kala below. And, he's, and, he's, and, and, and that's reflected in his avera of, of violating an Eshazish. But it's all revolving with this Indian. This meaning of what? Of the Jewish people, of Eretz Yisrael, having the potential of being seen as something, as a, as, a, as, a, as a place on earth that unleashes this deeper identity of what the Jewish people are and this deeper meaning of what Yiddishkeit is. And instead of it being a nation among nations, you're a, you're a kala to the Rabbani Shalom, and all the mitzvahs that you have are there to enhance that deep bond between you and your chasen. As opposed to being your nations among nations, and this is the message that God gave you to make sure that you don't that you don't just uh, kill yourselves, and you don't uh, go crazy, and you should remember that that you that you know there's a God in heaven. It's much more than that, and this is why going back to the beginning, this is also why Dafke in the sin of Achan, what's hinted to is a what that Afal Pishachata Yisraelu, that even though you sin, you're still a Jew, because that's what the Rebbeinu Shalom. The, the first line the Rebbeinu Shalom introduces Achan's sin is. Is with what? Is that what? That with all of his efforts, right? With all of his efforts to show that what? That a Jew is no different than a guy fundamentally, and the land is no different now than it was before. Bef- now, before it was owned by Canaan, and now it's owned by Yidin, but fundamentally nothing changed. Hashem Yisbarach is, 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 is saying he's wrong. A Jew can sin, go to the lowest places on earth, and he's still a Jew. There's something different about a Jew. And that's exactly why the Rabbanu chooses this story of Achan to bring out that lesson is because that's exactly what Achan is fighting against. That's exactly what Achan was trying to poison is that a Jew is no different than a guy. And just like a, ju- a guy can be lost, so a Jew can be lost. What's the difference? Hashem Yisbarach is saying, no, 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 Achan is very wrong. 
And this is, and that's why Hashem Yisbarach is bringing out this point of Avbi Shachati Yisrael who dafk with the sin of Achan to show that that's exactly what he that that's that's exactly Achan's sin. Achan's sin fundamentally is this the mistaken philosophy of that if a Jew sins, then uh, he can mamish be lost. There's nothing. There's nothing special, there's nothing different about a Jew. And that's exactly what Hashem Yitzbarak is, is saying, that he's wrong about that. There is something different about a Jew. And this is why, because of Achan's sin, what was affected were the eyes. The eyes were affected, right? The city of Ai is now, uh, we, we're not able to conquer properly. The ones that were killed were the Ene'eda, the eyes of the assembly. The word Achan is related to the word Ai. Uh, Ayin, so what does what Ayin have to do with this? So take a look at Maramukha number 7, we'll end with this. There's a Medjush in Shir Shirim, it's also Gemara and Tainus. The Gemara says a Klal, Kala Sheina Yafas. The Gemara said, the Chazal, Chazal is saying that if a person is making a Shidduch, and in those days, you know, uh, it was probably, not, not probably, for sure it was easier in terms of like resumes and checking into people. The Gemara says, you want to check into someone to see how they're doing health-wise? So the Gemara says, just check one thing, Kala Sheina Yafas. You look at the Kala's eyes. If her eyes look clear and healthy, then the rest of her is, 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 is probably healthy too. Kala shenet trufais, but if her eyes are not so healthy, they're cloudy, they seem a little bit like there's something off in her eyes, then you should call doctors and investigate. Maybe there's something going on. Uh, maybe she's not as healthy as she claims to be. But it's all about the eyes. In other words, what the Gemara is telling us is, is hinting to this idea, is that this in of chasen and kala, everything else can be messed up, everything else can be unknown. All you need to know is one thing, are the eyes healthy? If the eyes are healthy, everything else will be fine. And that's what the eyes represent of you. The eyes represent that inyan of, 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 of chasen and kala, that inyan of that everything else can be crazy. Avopishachata, the Jew can be living a life that's similar to, to a guy, living a life that's similar to the nations of the world. But if the eyes are healthy, then it's not the same. If the eyes are healthy, then everything else is, is, is then, then even if the body is uh, doing all sorts of crazy stuff, if the eyes are healthy, you can be rest assured, as a shame, everything will be okay as well. And this is, the, the, so the eyes of your represent the, the uniqueness of the Jewish people, what makes us different, that even if the body is unknown and uh, it's hard to clarify, the body is 100% healthy, if the eyes are good, everything is fine. And that's exactly what, what Achan was damaging. What he was damaging was this idea of us being able to look at, look at the Jewish people and instead of judging them based on the whole body, well, you know, this guy in his life, in business and in, in his social life, he's, you know, I don't see much of a difference between him and the guy, all right? The eyes. The eyes are the difference, that's the key to the soul, and the soul is different. And that's what's going on over here. So Achan is damaging that Indian of eyes, but as we'll see, Bez Hashem, as we travel through this story, the sin of Achan is, uh, is repaired, the Jewish people conquer the city of Ai, we continue to conquer all of Eretz Yisrael, and that, which means that we have a healthy, better understanding of, what, of, of who we are in our place in the world through our ability to conquer and to connect with Eretz Yisrael. No, Hashem should help us, we should be to reconquer Eretz Yisrael, to have good eyes, see each other in good eyes, and not to find each other based on what we see in the body, but to find each other based on what we see in each other's eyes. Okay, Shkayach.